and here we go, Nordy's Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing awesome, man. I'm great because we have a special episode for everyone. Um, we have an amazing guest on. I'm really excited to have Jordan Alamat himself is here. Jordan, how are you doing? Dude, my last name is pronounced Alamat. How dare you mess it up? <laughs> All for one. Wow. Really glad we had the pre-production meetings because that's <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, he's the host of the Link Up Listening Party podcast, um, which, how many episodes have you guys had so far? We're seven episodes in. Thank you for plugging that. So go check that out. Um, you can also hear him weeknights. I think it's seven to midnight on 93X. Yes, sir. And uh, if you, you might recognize him if you listen to some other local stations. Uh, previously, you were at KDWB and Go 96.3. Um, anything mm-hmm. else? Uh, K fan. I had a stint at K fan for a little bit. Wow! All of them. and moved on. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a product of uh the of of Rube Chat. I'm a product of Paul Meets Us Lambert. Nice. All right, guys. So, uh, real quick before we dive into our awesome episode, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordy's Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast from. And uh, Jordan, where can they find you on social media? Well, right now my Twitter is suspended because I did a copyright infringement against the chain smokers. So my backup Twitter is at rogue Jally J A L L Y. And then my Instagram is at tornado Jally, which is my DJ name. We can get into that origin later, but uh, it's still J A L L Y. So when they are not um, breaking COVID protocol, by having concerts for white nationalists, they are busy going after people on Instagram. Yeah, they're really they're they're really filling their time up with the valuable stuff, making sure that they went back and found a video that I had posted five years ago from inside the KDWB studios with roses playing quietly in the background. And I posted some stupid video and they found it five years later. That was my second copyright strike because I did uh, the mask off challenge. Remember the future song where like people were playing like the song I did that on guitar. And then so I had one strike from that and then I got that one. And apparently that means I'm out. I didn't even have the. I didn't even get to have like the Donald Trump fun. I didn't get to incite anything. I didn't get to bully anyone. I just posted roses and that's what like, got me out of there. I'm so what, pumped. Like, I didn't maximize what's this. Of, what's the point of Twitter even if you're not going to bully people or incite things? That's, yeah. the whole, that's the whole platform now. I know. So I, I felt so bummed. Like, I, didn't, I didn't bully Gina Carano. I didn't, get to, I didn't really get to do anything that I really wanted to do. I just got yanked for no reason. <laughs> All right. Well, we will help you fight the good fight. We are Thank you. officially um boycotting the chain smokers forever that's not a hard thing to do they got got roses and closer that's it those are the only two songs that are maybe passable yeah my life it did not just change i'm good we're gonna press forward press on i rock with closer maybe because i'm (laughs) just a halsey stan like but i just love the and the blank 182 song i'm like oh yes speak to me halsey (laughs) (laughs) all right guys we are having some drinks as always uh what are you guys drinking tonight all right, I'm at Indeed. I'm drinking their pistachio cream ale. Have you guys had that one? Yeah, I love it. Oh, yeah. It's year-round now. It's so good, super drinkable, and that's where I'm at. I finally got my hands on some junkyard. Um, the art of selection, no idea what it means, uh, but I saw like a hazy IPA from junkyard for 8 bucks, and I was in. So I'm very excited to uh, finally have some junkyard in my hands. Mm-hmm. I am drinking Surly's Give the Devil His Due. Uh, it is considered a double dry hopped, hazy, double India pale ale. A lot of words there. And they describe it as juicy, hazy, and devilish. It's 9.3 ABV. Mm. Pretty wild. 
Jeepers. Are you, do you drink beer? How do you feel about beer? I love the half-assed IPA, the new collaboration with Liftbridge Brewing available wherever you get beer. <laughs> um, you would. I have, you would. I have stopped drinking the last few months. I'm not sure why. Oh, well, I do know why. I preferred I'd rather eat brownies and cookies and stuff than drink my calories. Okay. I just, I have, a, I'm a sucker for a sweet tooth. I love chocolate. I love gummy bears. Um, I love fun time gummies. And it's like, I think that's more of my vibe. <laughs> yes. So I'd rather, I'd rather eat my calories and just see where it takes me. Yeah, that's good, man. No, that's, that's awesome. Well, like we do every week, we are going to dive right into Do We Care? Some of the best news um, from the screen. And one place we're going to start today is the Snyder Cut teasers. We're seeing The Flash. We're seeing Aquaman. We've seen Batman. We've seen Superman wearing a suit. Um, do any of these things move the needle with you guys and get you more excited for the Snyder Cut? Or are you more excited to just hate watch the Snyder Cut? Well, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to be the guy that's going into it with an open mind, right? Um, none of us liked the original uh, Justice League as a whole. Like, the, nothing about it was great. So... I want to see Snyder's what he feels is his vision for it. And in order to do that, you got, what are we giving him four hours? Is that what we're, is that what we're allotting like an hour a week or whatever um, for this? So I don't know. I, it doesn't move the needle, but I'm still intrigued by seeing something different, but it's still going to be the same DC dark palette. uh, Lots of, silly lines and throwbacks and i don't know i i'm still like i'm like 51 49 excited to watch it yeah i think it's going to be really bad you guys i think we should all have like expectations of this is actually much much worse it maybe it might make less sense than the one that they edited into like a like a fucking frankenstein that made zero sense this might actually be worse i think it's going to be worse than the original but i'm going to watch it i'm going to watch all of it Jordan, I'm curious on your take, man. Have you? Ye have you a little faith, this? Jim. Okay, come. Okay, hey, man. Just write I mean, it down and wait. I I have I have yet to develop an opinion on this. I'm going to check it out. My wife and I are going to watch it. I like. I don't hate Jared Leto as the Joker. I kind of liked the portrayal in Suicide Squad. I like what I saw from the the teasers. I, man. <laughs> I think I agree with you. That's going to be a train wreck. Like if the movie sucked, how like gonna say. all the all the uncut stuff? Like how is that going to make it any better? You're going to make it black and white and longer, right? Or yeah, like the right. dark ballot? Like I just don't. I don't see it. I don't see it uh, his, turning out his, well. His Jordan's initial sigh was, "I'm talking, but slowly I'm realizing that Jim was right." Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I don't. I don't like that blatant negativity. I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to. I'm going to watch. Uh, I want to be wrong, man. I want to be wrong. I just don't. Yeah, but even, DC hasn't afforded us the, they haven't earned that. You know, like exactly. Marvel's first stumble was the, like what Thor, the dark world. Like they made it into phase two before they really blundered. So, mm-hmm. and DC's never given us, you know, why should we give them the benefit of the doubt when they haven't really earned it? Yeah. So, so uh, I, guess right. I don't care about this one. I would this say the first stumble was the Hulk, which you can't even find on Disney Plus because they've just pretended <laughs> it didn't happen. Yeah. But with <laughs> I am saying that it's going to be terrible. 
And I'm saying that I don't care. But in reality, even if I watch the first half hour and it's the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life, I promise you I will watch every second of this, even if it's bad. So I know it's, it's a story I'm willing to hear, even if it's told poorly. Um, but I do think it's going to be really bad. I think we look for gifts. We look for memes. We save them for NBA Twitter time or when the Vikings lose or when yeah. the Vikings make a bad decision. It's like the Superman, like blowing up stuff with his eyes, angry look. I think we just, we just use it for internet culture. We just siphon it and make it our own. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we have also, if you have the premium uh, Disney plus account, you have Raya, the last dragon. It's getting incredible reviews. 98% currently on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, will you guys see Raya? How excited are you about this? Um, and where do you think it will rank uh, amongst uh, some of the more recent um, Disney movies, I guess? It, it looks really cool. Uh, I will say I'm not going to watch it by paying for it. Like, I'm going to, like, as soon as it becomes free on Disney Plus, or, you know what I mean, like, with the subscription, then I'll be in. But I'm not paying an additional 12 bucks or whatever it's it is 30. for that. It's 30 bucks. 30? Even worse. I yeah, wasn't going to pay 12. I was going to pay 30. Like, dude, I waste 30 bucks on dumber shit. I might do it. And it looks really good. Like, I love the Kung Fu Panda movies. Do you remember those movies? This oh, yeah. Yeah. Those vibes, and I know the action scenes are going to be awesome just like in that. So I'm actually looking forward to it. I probably won't spend $30 to watch it. I'll probably wait till June, but eh, we'll see. I'm tempted. You were hemming yeah. and hawing about a, a, a $45 PlayStation Plus subscription, but you're going to throw 30 bucks <laughs> at Disney. <laughs> I think it's because I've held off so long on that, but I did it. I did that too, so I hope you're happy. I am all in on Rey and the Last Dragon. I'm a big Kelly Marie Tran guy. I love The Last Jedi, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride for her. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon is a top five to top three animated film of our time. So Mm -hmm. you take Kelly Marie Tran and Dragons. I'm like, yes, I'm all in. And I'm ready to cry. I love crying and animated stuff. And I haven't done that since I rewatched the last four episodes of Clone Wars with my dad last weekend. So I'm ready to cry again. (laughs) I'm ready to to tear up at a car. Ready to be hurt. It's my favorite. The last four episodes of Clone Wars is like peak Star Wars. Oh, yeah. It's a a master class. And that was the only... Those are the only four episodes I showed my dad because he's watching The Mandalorian. I wanted to like give him that context. I'm like, these four are fine. You'll get it. He's like, this is a cartoon, like because you know all the clones are dying and uh, it's really dark and sad. I'm like, yeah, this is phenomenal. It really is a masterclass of what Star Wars should be, and I'm glad they're taking the you know the Filoni verse and bringing it to the small screen. Mm. All right, uh, next up we got a trailer from Space Jam Two, um, which shouldn't have been controversial, but it was. I don't have to explain this, do I? Go for it. <laughs> well, I did post like three memes about it, so I, I should probably. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Lola Bunny, if you guys remember, was like a cartoon sex symbol for us as a kid. I mean, she had like the short shorts and she was built in a certain way. And it was like all the other cartoons were like doing like the tongue rolling stuff and the eyes popping. Maybe not the most appropriate, but, you know, they've totally made her like a normal female basketball player now. And, you know, the Ben Shapiro's of the world are blaming live culture and all this PCs. You know, you can't even have a hot bunny anymore. What the hell? So It's so stupid, but the Internet loved it. And so did I. I just enjoyed the fights about this, um, where you had one group of people who was just like, yeah, I used to jerk off to this cartoon bunny. Other people were like, how could you do that? That's so inappropriate. And I 
I felt like I was like on the outside looking in, um, not ready to take a side. Yeah. You don't want to jump into that. <laughs> nah. Dude. Yeah, I'm gonna stay out of this one. I logged into Twitter Saturday morning and I saw people thirsting over Lola Bunny and Vision when he's wearing like the turtleneck. I'm like, I gotta get out of here. It's way too horny on Maine for me. This <laughs> is just a, everyone needs a cold shower. Yo, people gotta calm down. Did Ben Shapiro really go on a rant about this or just I, Ben Shapiro types? I wouldn't know because I would, I try to avoid any content from that, that human, yeah. but uh, you know, the, his types. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so Space Jam trailer though, what'd you guys think? Is this a movie you guys are excited about? I feel like this is like a can't miss story. Like it is a cartoon that they've been working on forever. They're going to give us a similar story to Space Jam one and everyone likes LeBron James. And I just don't know how this can't be a B. Yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a B. I think it depends if they hit on these like cameos. Cause you know, there's going to be all these surprise cameos popping up and I don't know if Bill Murray is going to come back or not, but it has to be hit like that. It has to be that level of surprise. Um, but I think oh, LeBron Bill, is probably going to be a better actor than Michael Jordan. Like, oh yeah. Bill Murray's got to be in it. Yeah. I think he will too. It'll have some golf scene or something. I'm going to need Kevin Garnett like swearing at the cartoons and not like fitting the vibe at all. Like really yeah. breaking the fourth wall and yelling at like Bugs Bunny and stuff. I need it. Punches yeah. out his own teammates. <laughs> yes. Give us the He's Rick doing, Rickard. doing lines from Uncut Gems all of a sudden. Like, dude, stick yeah, with yeah. it, KG. Come on, big ticket. We need you. Focus. See, what I need is for um, one of the Monstars to get so insanely big that he's bigger than the Earth suddenly. And he does something and temporarily squashes the Earth, making it flat. And then we get a flatter Kyrie Irving joke. Oh, <laughs> yes. God. Why I'm, weren't you please. brought into the screenwriter? This is too Please let that happen. Because there's Did no you guys? Oh, sorry. And they just cut to Kyrie and he's just like, oh, see, told you. Today on Twitter, Tony Hawk was talking about how uh, he was approached to do Skate Jam, which is just Space Jam with him and the Looney Tunes skateboarding. And I'm so resentful that we don't live in that reality where that exists. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Wow. He's like the best personality. I just love him. Like he just goes around and gives away like skateboards to kids and makes them do kickflips for it and shit. Uh, he's just yeah. it seems like a great guy. I we need that wholesomeness in our lives. I think we need more wholesome old celebrities, not like oh they're low key right. They're Mumford and Sons good banjo player, actually like yeah. a fascist. I, I don't like finding out these things out about our these yeah. people we like. I'd rather just you know like them like Tony Hogg. That's yeah. what. I'm- today i mean i wasn't a mumford and sons fan but i definitely am not now all right so i love i love the idea of him yelling just yelling out his car window do a kickflip <laughs> <laughs> that's just fantastic all right guys so uh steven spielberg and the duffer, duffer brothers are bringing um stephen king's the talisman i believe is how you'd say it uh to netflix um i don't know much about this story it's like a kid needs to find something to save his mom's life all I know is there's a lot of big names included in that. And so it gives me yeah. some that this will be something big from Netflix. And at this point, um, as, as many great things as I've watched on Netflix, I feel like Netflix has like fallen behind in mm-hmm. recent weeks and months here um, with some of these new streaming apps coming in with some shows I really do want to watch. I kind of agree. So they're taking Duffer Brothers, right? So that's the Stranger Things guys. And they're mashing them up. I mean, this is a story that hasn't been told. It's an old Stephen King book. It's like probably his, you know, cocaine-fueled rage days in the 80s. Um, 
And I, I read it. I mean, I've read almost every Stephen King and I read it. I remember liking it. I remember it being like very magical and fantastical and, you know, transported to different dimensions and magical characters coming in and out. So it's pretty far out there, which I think is cool. And they'll probably have the budget to do it if, if Spielberg's involved. And I mean, I'm, I don't know much about it yet, but the names are exciting. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know enough. The Duffer Brothers have put out some good stuff. Obviously Stranger Things is amazing. Um, I guess I care, but I don't I know. I think I care. I just early. Yeah. TV. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see what's up. I, I, I want to, uh, Eric, your point about Netflix falling off really resonates because I think it's just, they just drop everything at once. And I love the stranger things weekend where we can binge everything in a weekend and we can talk about it, but it, it, it shortens the lifespan, the shelf life of it. Whereas every week we're talking about the Mandalorian every week, we're talking about WandaVision. I know that's the Disney marketing like powerhouse behind it. But I, I, it's just, it's cool to see these shows with a week by week release um, gain steam. Is that going to be a TV show or a movie? Uh, it's a series. It's a series. Yeah, I would like to see him do a week by week to see if you know Netflix got the juice. Besides, you know, relying on Stranger Things and Dave Chappelle every three years to, to keep them afloat. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing I didn't come out on Netflix, so we got a trailer for this week was Lupin Part Two. Um, we loved the first part. Jordan, did you watch Lupin? No. This is one you need to go check out. Five really good episodes. Okay. Uh, amazing French television. Omar Sy, I think, is one of the breakout stars of uh, 2021. And uh, I think they nail it with this. The trailer looks amazing. Five more episodes. The whole thing is going to be 10 episodes is all. So mm-hmm. it's a okay. series um, with two different drops on Netflix. I'm really excited about this. Did you guys watch the trailer at all? I didn't because I didn't finish the first season. Only watched like three episodes of it. I'll I'll get back to it. I liked it. I did. I enjoyed it. Okay. All right. It did not go as well as I was planning, but everyone should check out Lupin. <laughs> you're the big Lupin guy. You love the foreign shows on Netflix. Anything with subtitles on Netflix, you're all about it. All right. So uh, new Star Wars, or I'm sorry, new Star Trek movie. Um, <sighs> Abrams doing this. Um, as as much as I find myself seeing the commercials for Paramount Plus. And being like, man, Star Wars is kind of their big thing. I'm sorry, Star Trek. Star Trek. That's twice. Yeah, that's two times. And I keep thinking to myself, what is Star Trek missing? And it's definitely weapons is what it's missing. Hmm. Between Star Trek and Star Wars, Star Trek has little blasters and Star Wars has lightsabers. And it's just not comparable. Yeah. Um, But I do think these J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies have been really good. And I'm actually pretty excited about where they're going to go with this. So um, this is a movie series that... I feel like it's kind of underrated. It kind of feels like um, Mission Impossible level uh, series where it's like everyone likes the movies, but no one would put it in their top universes. And so Mm -hmm. I I like this. I think it's good news. And uh, I hope that Star Trek expands from kind of like just giving us a new version of what they used to do to like maybe uh, changing what their universe looks like and maybe coming up with some cool weapons. (laughs) I, I heard the so cartoons. gun does nothing for you. I mean, the gun is in every space show. They're like, yeah. pew, pew, pew. it's like this little tiny gun, and I'm just not about that. Like, they need to have something that, like, some of them wield. Like, even even Star Wars coming with like the, the the I don't know, like electric shock sticks and swords and uh, axes. You know that like mm. anyone can wield. Like, why don't they have those in, in Star Trek? Like, Star Trek's weapons are just terrible. 
That can't be the end. I'll be all for a good plot, though. I think it, it comes down to storytelling over weapons. That's an ass nine take. Come on. <laughs> we need better weapons. Watch the studio make a Star Wars or a Star Trek movie. I did it now, too, with like great weapons. And everyone's like, yeah, it's the best one we've ever seen. It's, you know, <laughs> if that happens, I will take my L. But until then, <laughs> yet to be seen. Yes. Move the needle for you guys at all. Are you excited about this uh, newest new movie? I guess yeah. I'm more curious. I'm curious about like the casting more than anything. Like, is Chris Pine coming back? Is Zachary Quinto coming back? Like, uh, is it the whole the crew uh, back together again? Sounds like it's all of the same people that have been making. Okay. It. And the cast was good. I mean, yeah, I like Chris Pine. I like Quinto. I like uh, Zoe Saldana as uh, Uhura. Um, we get uh, oh gosh, I forget who's the guy from The Boys that plays. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, Australian dude. Yeah. Um, anyway, oh, he's back. Uh, Corbin. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead. Guys, back. Yeah. Peg, Simon Peg. Yeah, Simon I got Peg. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like, I, as long as they're bringing the band back together, I'm in. Um, and JJ Abrams, like Eric said, did a really good job. Uh, I think that'll be. I think it's a. If anything, it's always like a visual spectacle. Like it's it's fun to watch visually. Whether or not like mm-hmm. the lines and the and the plot make sense, it's always it's always fun in that regard. So I'm it, I I do care about this. Yeah, I care. I do as well. I, I I'm I have uh, was it Star Trek Lower Decks the cartoon on my to watch list again. I love crying to cartoon. I'm just I'm a cartoon guy right now. I don't know what happened, but I I want I want to check. I'm interested <laughs> in getting into that. And- <laughs> <laughs> I reverted back to middle school. You're regressing. Yeah. The I phone gummies it. probably have something to do with that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> something. Uh, yeah, I'm into it. Okay. All right. So we also got word that a cursed child Harry Potter movie is in the works, and so I'm assuming oh, it's like a big, like movie theater kind of thing. I would actually be more excited if they told me that they were going to do Cursed Child as like an HBO miniseries than if they were going to do some big theatrical thing, because. Mm-hmm. Cursed Child, I think Harry Potter is the greatest universe ever, okay? I love Harry Potter so much. Cursed Child was so bad that I read like 20% of it and gave up. Yeah. And I don't know what That's what, what I've heard. And I I've been told not to read it. Don't read it. And I don't know. So I'm not excited for this. I don't really want this to happen. That point that if it were a miniseries, I think that resonates. I think that story is built for a, a miniseries. Um, but as a, you can't cram all that in like a two and a half or three hour thing and have it be cohesive and to care about the characters. That's a really tough ask to have, for one, the, the, the creators to make, but also the audience to get that invested. Um, I, I think it's a d- disaster I, in I, waiting. I, yeah. I think they'd be eating them, <clears throat> excuse me, eating themselves a little bit because they have another Harry Potter series spinning up, which we don't know anything about. So in order, like, in order to do a cursed child series, then they'd have to like sort of, I don't know, uh, finagle it or spread it out. But I, I, I just, I don't know anything about the cursed child. I don't think they should do it because they've already kind of flailed at the additional movies that they've done and they haven't been good. So to pull something out of a hat, that's pun intended, that has nothing to do with anything that they're doing moving <laughs> forward. And then had very little to do with what, Everything that was done before seems a little bit silly and like a money grab. Yeah. I think that they should be giving us so much Harry Potter content because it's like this. 
it's like if all of the the streaming apps were like at a meeting together and Disney Plus was like, we have Star Wars, we have Marvel, and our plan is to give you 10 series a year for both Star Wars and for Marvel. And then everyone looks at HBO and they're like, what are you going to do for Harry Potter? And they were like, uh, not sure. And they're like, well, you're at least going to have the movies on your streaming service, right? And they're like, uh, actually, they're on Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> like, we should be getting so much Harry Potter content. It shouldn't be like a show is in the works. It should be like five Harry Potter shows are in the works. And they're all going to tell different stories from different time periods. And you're going to be excited about it. And mm. me, the ball is being dropped so uh, majorly as there's already Harry Potter worlds in multiple places in the world. Theme parks. They're ahead of Marvel when it comes to theme parks. But they're so far behind in storytelling, universe building, and and now television shows. So I want more Harry Potter I will not be pissed at the cursed child, even if the story is kind of sketchy, and I think the movie might be a disaster. The video game, though, the Hogwarts Legacy, that looks insane. So, though this is probably gonna be an L, they got some good things cooking. I'm into it. Um, I would. They gotta bring Daniel Radcliffe, though. No Radcliffe, no money. Yeah, so, no Radcliffe, we need Daniel Radcliffe back. What is the he- game? Looks great, though. I'm psyched on the game. Every time you hear about Daniel Radcliffe, it's like. Daniel Radcliffe's on Broadway again, and he's naked. He's in a new movie where he's wearing a bear jacket, and his hands are guns. <laughs> like, yes. Let's go. I tried to watch that piece of shit, by the way. I couldn't get through it. Oh, it's I didn't see him where the, the, the guns were bolted. So he had the guns, mm-hmm. and it didn't get any better. Did not get better from that point. So I just really want to clarify to everyone that I didn't just make up the naked part to be funny. Like, that was a real thing. That's real, yeah. Was it Equus? Yeah. yeah. He was really doing that. All right. Um, finally, last piece of news. Um, Lucasfilms uh, said that the Andor series coming to Disney Plus will have Ahsoka and Obi-Wan in it. That Let's is just throw to, to Jordan for this. Well, with the Ahsoka tie-in, that is massive since she is Fulcrum and she is organizing the Rebellion and getting intel out. So that's huge and uh, makes sense. And um, Ahsoka is Luke Skywalker level as in terms of just power and impact. And I think only people that watch the TV shows know that, but I think once we get the live action Ahsoka and Rosario in there, it will become known and understood. As far as Obi-Wan, I have questions as to how that will work continuity-wise. But I do they, there's a lot of story on the table with young Luke and now Grogu and the Jedi Temple. There's a lot with Obi-Wan and what he was doing on Tatooine and the Inquisitors and Vader. So these are some of the most iconic characters in pop culture history. So it's a task. It's a task to, to, you know, bring Obi-Wan, you and McGregor as Obi-Wan back into the fold. It, the bar is super high, but you have to do it. Cause if you didn't do it, you'd be leaving a lot of story and money on the table. I'm into it. And you and McGregor is, is at a point where he can play like a, like a middle aged Obi-Wan with that still will look athletic and still be convincing and he's just an incredible actor. Like I love everything he does. They need to do something with him because like, yeah. if they wait till he's, you know, 80, 80 years old, they're going to kick themselves. Like, Oh, it's too late, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they can de-age him like Hamill, but uh, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a tough ask. Yes. I, I think that the best thing right now going for star Wars is the fact that they are going to be telling you so many stories simultaneously on Disney plus, but that the characters are going to be able to go, between shows and they're going to have so much crossover in their shows that I think they're going to tell some really high level storytelling. They're going to get us really excited. They gave us what 20 minutes of Ahsoka and there probably won't be much Ahsoka 
the rest of the way in Mandalorian, other than maybe a few interactions. And I cannot wait to see more Ahsoka, whether it's her show or whether it's this this one now. Um, I think that they're they are giving us the best Star Wars ever at this point. I agree. I just can't wait to see where they go next. I, I also like think that. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say. I also think that like the fact that John Favreau and company have sort of uh, laid the foundation for what good live action Star Wars content can look like without Kathleen Kennedy. This is nothing against her. I know she's she's been an advocate of Star Wars, but like without sort of her fingerprints on it <clears throat> as much as was in the most recent trilogy has maybe opened some eyes at Disney to say um, you can have all of these things and you can you can bring characters that nobody knows about and you can integrate them and it's easy and it's seamless as long as the writing is good. And they've the the Mandalorian has done an excellent job of like laying the groundwork. Um, yeah, not, not every character is a, is a, you know, 10 out of 10, um, <clears throat> card dude. But, uh, overall, overall, I think like they, they've just shown the executives at Disney. This is what you can do. This is how you can do something like this. And I hope that the, the, you know, showrunners for Obi-Wan and the, the Andor series and all of that stuff have, have, have taken up this beacon and saying, all right, we're going to do this in our own way, but similar to what John Favreau and team have done with the Mandalorian. Hell yeah. All right, guys. So uh, next up, a couple questions for you, Jordan. We want, I mean, you've, you've, you've transitioned in so seamlessly uh, that it almost feels like we should have asked you these questions to start the show. Uh, but you know, <laughs> I have a couple of questions for you, uh, just kind of about who you are and where you're from. And, uh, you know, some of the, the beginnings of, of your career. So um, first up, where's the Jordan story start? And uh, how do you know how to play so many instruments? Ah, well, where did the, the Jordan story start? That's a very interesting question. Can I take you to the Middle East in the 1970s for that question? Yeah, please do. <laughs> okay, so my dad was on the U-17 soccer team for Jordan. He's from Jordan, hence my name's Jordan. He's very patriotic. And they're in the championship playing Egypt. And the royalty brought the team in to you know, hype them up and be like, hey, if you guys win this championship and bring it home for Jordan, you can do whatever you want. We'll give you whatever you want. So my dad said, I'm not serving any military time and you're paying for my ticket to America. So fast forward to the game. They're playing Egypt. My dad's a defenseman playing against the best player on the Egyptian team. The guy gets the ball, does the rainbow kick over my dad and him, kicks the ball before it hits the ground, and then it goes boom, left post, goal. Apparently, that's showboating in the Middle East. So as he's celebrating, my dad goes up to the guy and says, hey, nice shot. Next time you get the ball, I'm breaking your fucking leg. Sure enough, the guy gets the ball. My dad slide tackles, ball first, so it's clean, he says, and then kicks the guy, breaks his femur, dude's out the game. They come back and win. My dad flies to America, goes to college, meets my mom at a Red Lobster in Spring Lake Park, and now I'm alive. That's where the Jordan story starts. Okay, hold on a second. I know it's a lot. Does anybody have a cigarette? I need a cigarette after that. Yeah, right. like, wow. Jeepers. That was an incredible story. Um, so we're one, one, when's your dad available to be on the podcast? Because <laughs> I think we need, we need to have him on to tell about this story. He also claims <laughs> to be the available. father of the... 
he's he claims to be the father of the dome dog as well. Would you like to hear that story? <laughs> I think so. I think okay. Yeah. So he was the concessions manager at the Metrodome before the '87 World Series. He did this up until like 2006. He worked at the Metrodome, and before the '87 World Series, he said. We have so many people coming in. We need a bigger hot dog. And the marketing team took his advice and then brought him the dome dog. And all of his coworkers say like, yeah, that was Jay's idea for a bigger hot dog. So my dad just is like, there's not much controversy. I think he did. (laughs) He's he's breaking femurs and feeding Minnesota. We love this man. (laughs) He's a treasure. So your dad is my new hero, by the way. Mine too. Jordan, (laughs) where did you grow up then? I grew up in New Brighton which is like five seconds that way. And now I live in Fridley. I'm a, I'm a North suburbs kid. Where did you, where did you go to school? I went to Irondale. Wow. Oh shit. oh shit. Are you an Irondale guy? I'm an Irondale teacher. What? Yes. No way. What do you teach? I teach world history at Irondale. Oh, let's go. So are you, are you alongside, uh, uh, let's see, who do I have for a push? I had Ackerman. He's still, he still there. there. He's still there. Wow. I'm bringing you up. I'm going to every, Every teacher that's been there for a while, I'm asking about you this week. Yes, please do. Uh, Mr. Suha and I have a great relationship. If you make it down to the band hallway. I will do that for you this week. All right. Well, the world did not know this. Um, All right. So you play all these instruments. And also, I have to say, if you guys haven't uh, seen his Instagram, uh, he has all these mashups that he does, like uh, Journey and Kesha, uh, (laughs) Gary and Soldier Boy. Yes. When can we get more of these? And how do you know how to play every instrument? Well, I, 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 if you can play piano, you can play every instrument. I was, my sister was a big NBA, or not a big NBA player. My sister was a big basketball player, and she, her amazing career with the Irondale teams is the reason why I love basketball because I spent every weekend watching her team ball, and she had a great team. So, um, but I wasn't good at sports, so I gravitated more towards music, and that's just how my brain works. So I picked up piano. I picked up guitar as a result of guitar hero i picked up trumpet because i liked miles davis and i I liked the idea of jazz i thought cigarettes and whiskey were cool when i was like 12 i want to i want to play trumpet and then um drums happened because of rock band because like rock band drums if you can play rock band drums on expert you can play drums in real life i hope people (laughs) realize that you can do that and then guitar doesn't transfer though the guitar does not transfer oh I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to burst your bubble. And then as far as DJing goes, I always viewed the turntables as like an instrument that you can, it's, it's a different type of instrument, but it is. And um, I don't know. I just have a healthy appreciation for how to creating sounds. That's how my brain works. And it's a result of just being a terrible dribbler. I could not have ball handle. I was just talking to my wife about this like 30 minutes ago. I was like, damn, I could pass. I could shoot. But if I could, was just athletic, I could be a great player, but it's like 15 years too late. So how you could have been play? He dribbles like two two dribbles a game and just jacks up threes, man. I mean, you had a future, you just didn't know it. I mean, I don't think that, that as a taller kid, they're like, yeah, go in the post. I'm like, no, I can shoot and pass. I, I can't create my own shot. But if you give me a pick and get me to the corner, I can do it. I can do it. But they didn't believe <laughs> Dude, you me. Were the, never got the chance. But you were the you were the Euro guy before it was uh, even a big thing. I, I I was a I was ahead of my time. Were, it was a damn you shame. Luka, you were the Luka Doncic of your generation. They just didn't know it. So I was like low key fat, but no one talks about it. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that's, that's that's it. Yeah. Either that, or you should have been playing center back for uh, for some uh, national team somewhere. Yeah. I missed my chance, but it's all good because now I have I have 
it's I think it's much better for my stress and my mental health just to play music. It's been a much more it's it's yielded a it's yielded a career. So I'm happy yeah, with it. For sure. That's, that's a rare beautiful thing. How did you end up on the radio? How did you end up be, becoming a, a DJ on the radio? That's a great question. So I was DJing and producing for rappers around town my sophomore year of college and I studied marketing at Bethel University. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> but but I needed an internship out of my sophomore year and I saw KDWB was hiring interns. So I applied. I was super nervous. I almost skipped my interview because I couldn't find the building and I was so stressed out about it. Like, I'm not getting this interview. It's a radio station. They won't hire me. They hired me and in the promotions department. So I was just, you know, doing marketing for them, making, you know, working the events and all that. And the on-air personalities, Katie, who was on the morning show and Steve from the Dave Ryan show were like, you're funny. You want to do on-air internship after your promotions thing's done? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I hopped on that, maximized that. I did this thing called the mega mix, which was me like doing a parody song about like a topic and then playing songs around that topic. And then like another parody song, it was mad embarrassing. And I was just, the, I was just like the worst kid. <laughs> like I was a kid in suburban Minnesota in like a, in like a douchey school, the douchey culture. And I was a douche on the radio and it pisses me off that I like, that's how I started. Um, <laughs> but it worked and listeners liked it. And then I made friends with the K fan guys. And I started doing, I got paid. I had, I had an unpaid internship. I know that's a, that's a hot button issue right now. I had an mm-hmm. unpaid internship turned into a part-time job at K fan uh, I did Sludgeathon with Corey Cove for the Lupus Foundation. It was fun to be on the air with him. And then my best friend, one of my best friends, Joe Perovich, he was a producer at KFAN at the time. And in middle school at Highview, we said, hey, we're going to be on KFAN together one day. And then at Sludgeathon, we were on the air together at the same time, which was a really beautiful moment that we shared. Um, and then I went back to the Dave Ryan show. It'd be the assistant producer. Um, so I had a bigger say in what happened on the show and I helped organize things, get all the assets for Dave, Stephen Fallon, just kind of set them up to succeed. I was the Rubio lobbing it up to Zach Levine back when that was a thing and it was glorious. <laughs> and then while I was doing that, I realized that I wanted to be, I kind of breezed through that. This is where the meat comes in. Here we go. While, while I was doing the Dave Ryan in the morning show, I loved radio and I loved talking about music, but I wasn't comfortable putting myself out there. I didn't like being a personality. I wanted to be a DJ. And at the time, Go was emerging. They had the alternative channel and they just launched the hip hop channel. And seeing this from across the way, like, yo, these are my genres. I would like to get over there. And there's a there's a bigger opportunity to grow. If I were to thrive at KDWB, um, I would have to move to Idaho, which is what I was told to, you know, go on the national circuit. And that was out of the question. Um, since I've helped take care of my dad and my grandparents are here and I had a DJ business, I didn't want to leave. Sure. So I went, I went to go climb the ladder again, went from part-time guy to night guy to assistant music director to music director to doing both channels back and forth. And then uh, the station died, rest in peace. And now I'm at mm-hmm. 93X and that's been eight years of my career. It's really, uh, that was really just my resume. But uh, as to how I, this happened, I just loved music. I didn't get good at radio until like two years ago, frankly, but I was good at Twitter and making jokes on the internet. And I loved music and I had a passion for it. And that translated on the air. I didn't re- I don't have a good radio delivery. Um, I think you, but do. I, but, you think so. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah. F- fully, fully disagree. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel really nice. But I, I do care about music and I like storytelling and I like telling jokes and I like community. And to be able to be a light for my hometown and just to be a positive dude on the radio who's others oriented and cares about the artist and making sure that the art 
is not um, commoditized in a pejorative way. There's like a good co- commoditization. There's bad, if that, if that makes sense to make sure that people know why they should care about this music and to be an advocate uh, in that regard is really what propelled me. And it's, and I, I, when I got hired in 93 X, there was a industry article going around that said market veteran, Jordan Alamac gets hired in 93 X. And I was like, market veteran. I was just, I know I was like, I was just a dude at 18 that wanted to play music and um, have fun working alongside people. I podcasted. The first time I discovered podcasting was the power trip morning show back when superstar Mike Morris was on it before church one day. And I downloaded everything because I can finally listen to it. So to go from like watching meat sauce and, and Corey Cove, like grow and to like working alongside them. to now like seeing them at churches concerts and being able to say what's up and be friends with them. is just mind blowing to me. Uh, and just, I, it's just a hard work and a passion thing. And I would, I would tell that to anyone if you want to do anything. It's just, it really is a matter of, it's not even a matter of talent. It's just hard work and being nice to people. Mm-hmm. I truly sucked at radio until two years ago, guys. <laughs> and like, it, it really is a nice guy thing. <laughs> so you've been at all these different radio stations, KFAN, KDWB, Go, 93X. Um, what would Jordan's radio station play? Like, who, what kind of music, what, what artists would be on there? That's a great question, Eric. And I, I see this happening uh, in the landscape. So this is, this is half personal taste, half pragmatism. No, it's a third taste, third pragmatism, third. This is where I think the industry should go. Top 40 radio and alternative radio have identity problems. They don't have any artists that they own. Alternative doesn't want Imagine Dragons because they're Imagine Dragons, even though Radioactive, Radioactive is a slapper and I don't want to hear anything from you guys. And, but then, <laughs> but um, top 40s won't touch you know, radioactive anymore because it doesn't have enough streams or metrics. At some point, I think pop and alternative are going to converge into a single format. And I would like to be at the helm of that. Cause I like Carly Rae Jepsen and I like the 1975 and I like Charlie XCX and I like 24 K golden and these artists sound good together. So I'd like to head up a smart pop station, kind of like what go was from the jump. Um, they were kind of like a synth indie pop base station when like a, a current, a commercial version of the current, uh, but that didn't really resonate. It's not really a money-making model. So I would like to be in charge of a lane like that. Uh, but I would like to... Uh, there's a Super Bloom playlist that's on um, Apple Music that really it really uh, toots my horn. <laughs> yeah, that's what... I, I really like that. You know, playing stuff like Phoebe Bridgers to, to Kay Maidza, who's a phenomenal like Australian rapper. She's great and stuff like the 1975 and Benny. I love 80s sounding pop. So it'd She's be something better like that. than Iggy Azalea, though. I mean, ooh, that's. I tough. mean, it's tough. <laughs> I mean, everyone likes fancy. I don't want to hear it. I've played fancy at all types of events, and people are always like, oh, okay, it's Iggy. And then all of a sudden, oh, I'm so fancy. The slander is unwarranted, Jim. How it dare just you? every time. Huh? Well, you know, <laughs> man, you know, you've dropped these things in front of crowds, so you know what hits. You know what's funny? Iggy Azalea, great person. She played uh, Jingle Ball back in 2014 or 2015, and I had to go back and get her for the um, the meet and greet. And I was like, I have to go grab the headliner? Are you serious? And I was super nervous. And I went back there, and she was eating Doritos. And she had nothing but nacho cheese Doritos everywhere. And she's like, yeah, come on, have some Doritos. So we were eating Doritos and chilling. And I'm like, Iggy, we got to get going. <laughs> like, she was just trying to chill. <laughs> 
it's like this guy's great. I we can eat Doritos all night. This is awesome. Yeah. So maybe I'm I'm personally biased. I'm not a good music journalist. If I'm like, yeah, I had Doritos with Iggy Azalea once. Yeah. So I'll give her a friend. great review on every album. Well, that's, that's how you. That's how you got the uh, the Mark of Veteran title. Right? <laughs> Just eating I mean, Doritos you, with Iggy. Yeah. Exactly. It's on but that, listen, that's all part of the parenthesis. Of, you know, of all of that, right? Mm-hmm. It's being a nice guy and working hard, I guess. There you go. All right, so uh, you've had some really cool interviews. Um, just even recently, you had Surge from System of Down. Yeah. You had, uh, oh gosh, what is her name? Uh, Lana Del Rey. Lana Del Rey. I've had Lana, I've had Haley, um, I had The Killers, I had Brian yeah. from Weezer, I had Phoebe Bridgers, I had 24K Golden. Who else? Yes, yeah, Surge was a big one. A Day to Remember happened last week. So you've had all these cool interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the one that you were like freaking out the most about? Uh, you know, like just someone who you just couldn't even believe that you were having the opportunity to interview. Dessa. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Dessa, I was really nervous to interview Dessa. And, you know, we'd been in, we've been in the periphery of each other. She's friends um, and Doomtree is friends with... Uh, my friend uh, Dwanell Roland, and they always go to his shows and stuff. So I, you know, I've 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 sat down the bar from Dessa, and I was like, ah, I have to interview her. Like she's so. It's hard when an interviewer is both nice, smart, and funny. It gets difficult because if it's just two of the three, you can kind of hone in. But if it's all three, it's very verbose and hard mm-hmm. to navigate because you have to be all these things. And like Dessa was just, just wrote a book, just wrote an incredible album. She's really versed in psychology, so I was really nervous about that. But that interview hit and it was really good to you know someone that i listened to in high school that i kind of like was like a role model to see her across uh the the countertop from me playing a stupid game called does it bang though (laughs) and laughing with me it was uh really opened my eyes as to what uh my career could be with interviewing artists and being an advocate for them and setting them up to be humans and to have people care about them so that was the dessa one was probably the one I was, I, my, my heart was like up in here up until like I made her laugh, like on mic for the first time. Like, okay, cool. We can settle down a little bit. But if you watch the interview, you can see me kind of jump at, like I, I wasn't very conversational. I would jump in sometimes to like make a joke. So you can tell I was antsy, but I was really happy with how it turned out. And that one really uh, broke the glass ceiling I put on myself. So you can feel free to, to not answer this. Okay. Yep. Um, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a positive one and a negative one. So you can kind of choose your own direction on this. Okay. Um, was there anyone ever that surprised you um, in that they were kind of a douchebag when you interviewed them? And then also, if you'd rather go the other way, was there someone who you maybe didn't have the best, um, you know, you weren't, you weren't expecting them to be as cool as they were? That's a great question. I'll answer both. Um, nice. I did not, there's more. Oh, I, well, Jared Leto was a dick, but I, I, I expected that the neighborhood were massive douchebags. And I expected that because they're all from California. Um, <laughs> so I was never, been, I've never been taken aback by an artist's douchiness. Generally, they're all very nice and way more down to earth than you can imagine. Lana Del Rey surprised me the most because I, I thought, you know, mysterious, you know, she's always, you know, she's going to you or whatever. Yeah. She puts her foot in her mouth. Like if I say the wrong thing, she'll be angry. She was the sweetest person. And I was like, and that's over. That was a phone interview, like no Zoom, so I couldn't like read body language. She was great, so I was most surprised by Lana. That's cool. All right, and then finally, uh, kind of some future of radio things. Um, mm-hmm. 
So obviously there's a lot of stations, some that you've been part of, and just others that, you know, seemed like staples here. And I'm sure around the country, it's the same thing that have been going under, right? A lot mm. of radio stations that just haven't been able to make it for the long run. Um, do you think that there's a, a thing where a lot of radio stations, um, you know, are, are we going to lose more radio stations? Um, is there kind of a, a you know, our podcasts and the way that we uh, currently like to get our, our content, is it damaging to radio? And is it also like XM radio? Is that like a big threat to the radio as we know it? I'm not sure if XM radio is a threat because it's still radio at the end of the day. And the appeal of radio is the captive audience looking for free stuff on the dial. So there'll always be a demand for terrestrial radio in some capacity. The problem with radio is that they... Let me. I have so much information in my brain. I want to make sure that I, it makes sense without like industry jargon. They're often late to the game. They're two or three years behind most trends, and they spend money on things they don't need to spend money on, and they focus on the wrong things. For example, like social media marketing. I know every station was late to the game. Some stuff that I did at KFan in promotions, they just started doing again recently. Stuff as simple as Throwback Thursdays and celebrating the time KG jumped on like the scores table <laughs> at the end of like the Western Conference semis against the Kings. Um, stuff like that. Or putting um, clips of what happened on the air that day out into the world. People will be like, no, don't do that because you don't get a meter and you don't get a listener to give you ratings. But if you don't get the product out there, if you can't communicate your product, you can't make money off the product. Quote Kanye West from that Zane Lowe interview where you're talking about Lady Gaga. But that's true. You have to put the game out there for free. And radio didn't, radio didn't really do that until recently. And now like iHeartMedia and Cumulus and all this and Intercom are trying to focus on developing podcasts around their talent and letting talent be talent and be content creators. But they should have been doing that five years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the, the threat. The biggest threat to radio is themselves and programming themselves out of a job. People will let you know what they want and where the demand is. Obviously, podcasting is big, so you should develop podcasts and you should de- develop a place and pay your employees to make, that's the big one, pay them or give them an incentive to get paid or a, a structure for them to get paid to do stuff outside of the radio show so you can monetize that. Mm-hmm. What year? Well, many, real quick, how many how many times though does it like so? Power Trip recently started doing their uh, what do they call it? The after after party the after party yeah after party podcast. And how many times though will it happen where they're like, okay, yeah, you're gonna do the morning show, you're gonna you're gonna have all your meetings and and you're gonna be here, and then you're gonna have to record another two hours of content, and that's just kind of be be kind of part of your package you know, moving forward where, like you were saying, they need to get paid for yep. the work that they're doing. But how many times will they say, well, you cannot do it and not promote the power trip, or you can just do this. And it's kind of part of the deal moving forward. Does that happen? Uh, I mean, it's, I think right. I'm going to take that question and kind of finesse it for a second. Radio is very entrepreneurial. So it's in the personality's best interest to, leech off the station the same way the station leeches off the talent. And that sounds negative, but like it's a give and take. It's it's parasitic sure. both ways. Or I guess it's symbiotic. If it's parasitic symbiotic, both ways, yeah. it's, it's symbiotic. Right. <laughs> what's what's good for the station is good for the personality. And what's good for the personality is good for the station. Um I think everyone needs to realize that. Big D, who used to do nights at KWB, told me when I was an intern that 
no matter how much you love a radio station, it will never love you back. And that didn't make sense to me until I lost the thing that I loved second most, third most, besides fourth most. I forgot that I have a wife, a cat, and a dog. So the thing I loved the fourth most, you know, was go and and mm-hmm. how I built that. And I, it taken away from me with nothing. And Dude, I, didn't I feel know- like I loved go. I could rank go in my top ten things I loved, and I had no part of it. I just loved love, especially more of the rap station for me. But yeah, such a fucking shame. God, thank you, thank you for li- that. Means the world. We, we everyone put our lives into it, um, and we lo- and we loved it to death. But at a certain point, we were more indebted to the station. The station was indebted to us, to no fault of anyone, because it'd be like in fault of the leaders. We were leading ourselves. So it was it was at our own fault where we put ourselves in the situation, and with a small broadcast range, uh, it was just an uphill battle the entirety of our existence. Mm-hmm. So, so I think ra- radio is a very entrepreneurial industry. Media is an entrepreneurial industry, and it rewards those who go in with that mindset. And it's part of the reason why I got chewed up and spit out up until like two or three years ago because I wasn't being entrepreneurial and doing it. I wasn't seeing the, I was. What can I do for you? No, what can you do for me to complete the like it's it's both. How can we complete this circle? And once I started to advocate for myself and be like, hey, I know what I'm doing, opportunities came. But when I was being meek and waiting for them, they didn't happen. So I think it's just a matter of going and getting it while being a nice guy, of course. Yes. All right. So we're gonna dive into something from 93X right now that I actually think is cool. So 93X right now is doing the 40 albums that made 93X, right? They're yep. going through like the the last I don't know thirty years of rock music. Like fifty, then, we're doing everything. All right, fifty years. Um, but how long has ninety three X been around? I kind of felt like some of the stuff is some of the oldies that they still play. Um, mm-hmm. But like in their history, right, the albums that have been the most important. And so we are going to pick our favorite albums from the forty albums that made ninety three X, and we're going to talk about anything that maybe we feel was left off this list. All right. Yep. So. Uh, who wants to start? Ryan, you want to give us a start on where, where you went with this list? Sure. So I was just uh, scrolling through the website, and this is in the order of which I came across the album after I scrolled through probably 30 times and then was like, okay, now I'm going to dial it in. Um, and the first one for me is Hybrid Theory from Linkin Park. And the reason I chose this was – uh, this was my freshman year of college, um, and everything had been like grunge, 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 or boy band up to that point. And there were some like kind of rock, like you know, kid rock was kind of getting big at that time, um, but nothing really like resonated. But then I heard Lincoln Park Hybrid Theory, and my mind was absolutely blown. Like I know Kid Rock technically, or maybe like Limp Bizkit started like the rap rock genre, but none of that really like did anything for me until I listened to Linkin Park and R.I.P. Chester Bennington, because they're one of my favorite bands of all time. They're awesome live. Uh, They were putting out like live DVDs before a lot of other bands were too. And so that was, that was the reason that this one kind of stood out to me. Nice. Yeah, hybrid theory is a jam. I, I, I like what, like, yeah, did, did Aerosmith and Run DMC start rap rock? Sure, whatever, but they perfected it. I mean, think about the, the Collision Course EP with Jay Z and Linkin Park, the best rapper of all time, paired with one of the biggest bands of all time. That collaboration, there is no equivalent. That can never be done ever again. And the fact that we got that and it was so seamless is incredible. 
Um, I wanted to just, be on the like I wanted to be on the phone call of like <clears throat> the Lincoln Park guys being like, yeah, can we talk to uh, Jay Z's agent? And like, it works. Who are you? Yeah, no, we're from Lincoln Park. No, Lincoln Park, the the rap rock. Chicago? No, I mean, <laughs> yes, but the band. <laughs> yeah. They talked about this. Apparently, Jay reached out to them. Oh no, shit! Really? Love it. Crazy. God, is he brilliant or what? God, you gotta love it. He gets oh. another point. Yeah, he keeps doing rock, good things. The rock in the building. Jim, we're in the champagne to... company for another couple billion dollars or whatever. Do you want me to keep now. going or do you guys want to? Yeah, no, just rock wanna... through your next couple. Yeah, that was okay, great. Uh, my next one was uh, Follow the Leader from Corn. Um, I think their initial album, I forget the name of it, um, was good. And, you know, you played it in the locker room before a lot of sporting events. But I think really Follow the Leader is when they hit their stride. They really hit the mainstream. Uh, God, this is going to be such a stupid take, but they were on TRL. Which That's was, the, was the, that, that was their biggest. That was the biggest like outreach to like the new audience at that time. Was MTV's TRL at you know three o'clock or whatever, and and they had like uh, fan um, people sending in their artist or their their art for the album cover, and they picked like four, I think. And f- there's four different album covers, I think, for for Follow the Leader, and they were the best for fan drawings that the band selected. Uh, Follow the Leader from Corn was unbelievable. So real quick, I just remember TRL being like, at number five, or number six song of the week is by 98 Degrees. Number five is from Britney Spears. Number four from NSYNC. Number three from Backstreet Boys. Number two from Christina Aguilera. And number one is Freak on a Leash by Corn. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. after weeks and weeks. How yeah. is this happening? So yeah, I agree with you. It was it was really cool. They were like new metal like took over music for some portion of time even if it didn't age that well well and just just to beat out some of the people that you listed and none of them i would have ever like listened to regularly but just to beat out like the corporate driven boy bands and and girl bands and and girl solos was kind of a testament to how popular they actually were um, my last one is Rage Against the Machine, Evil Empire. Um, wow. I mean, this is this album is an absolute like banger front to back. I could still throw this. If I had a CD, I'd throw it in uh, to my car and absolutely sh- shred this album. I loved everything about it. Uh, it kind of started like a political revolution in my own head as a young man to think about these things a little bit differently, you know, than the way you've been told to think about them, think about things from a different perspective. Like how does this affect like other minority cultures and things like that. And, you know, I know like Zach De La Roca and Tom Morello are, are on a different stratosphere um, as far as music goes and they should be. Uh, but this album like rings true. I know, you know, Eric, I think we're like 10 years difference, but, uh, for me, as like a, a 16, 17-year-old Evil Empire, which was also not allowed to be listened to in my house. as a, It was a very strict Catholic uh, mm-hmm. upbringing uh, with all of their uh, free thinking and hippieisms and, and uh, swearing and all that stuff. But uh, Evil Empire was just on a different level for me. That's beautiful. That's a, that's right. a solid top three. I didn't know what you were going to go with. All right, Jim, where are you at with this? All right. Um, I just in general, I was not into like the the corn or like the the harder stuff ever. 
I've been into rap forever. So, but when I look at this list, I'm like, holy shit, I, I know and love so many of these albums. So, Sublime, I've listened to it front to back so many times. Part of stoner culture, which I've always enjoyed. Um, Weezer, love Weezer. Blue oh, yeah. album, I mean, that's their best. Uh, I know every word, every fucking little note, it's perfect. Um, absolutely love it. And then the third one was tough for me because, well, this whole thing was tough. Um, you know, I was torn between, you know, Californication and uh, one of the Green Day, probably Dookie. Um, but I went with Elephant. Uh, I love the White Stripes. I love Jack White. Um, I saw him at the Armory before all this craziness went down, and it was an amazing show. And, I, you know, maybe that isn't my favorite album of theirs, but I wanted to pick one from there to represent. And it, it might as well be. All their albums are just absolutely gold so um yeah man that's my top three and i and i stand behind it all right i'm going uh nine inch nails the downward spiral from 1990 oh boy no way wow i love Mm -hmm. Nine Inch Nails so much and i i love that this album somehow is both insanely controversial and like super mainstream somehow like yeah is such a huge hit and such a banger and the music video was like practically a horror movie i mean it just was like a like a 90s christian mom nightmare and i just think that this album is so incredible hurt is amazing march of the pigs is incredible um i love nine inch nails so this one's easy for me to pick um i went with californication i i think that i've like fallen out of love with the red hot chili peppers but like for anyone to act like through the late 90s and early 2000s, like they didn't have Californication and know every song on there, they would be lying to themselves because it's one of the great albums of all time. And if you remember, Woodstock 99 was headlined, closed out, finished with everything burning, with no food for anyone, with no bathrooms for anyone, with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. No water, $8 waters, yep. With the Red Hot Chili Peppers playing a cover of Jimi Hendrix's Fire while the people set the place ablaze. Brilliant. so great and and that i think that was the the what do you call it like the uh the myth or uh like the story that made flea as popular as he could be was that he was playing the bass so hard at woodstock that he like uh cut a hole in his his thumb and he filled it with super glue and finished the set with like super glue filling the inside of like this hole in his thumb that he had made from playing so hard i've heard that story it's like old, old the path that, yeah. you know it's like a legendary story whether it's true or not we don't know but it Does, doesn't I matter it's, it. it's on it's on the level of marilyn manson with the ribs exactly, <laughs> exactly. We, don't, we don't ask questions we just accept it as reality <laughs> i went with um 1986's master of puppets by metallica which is for sure their best album mm-hmm. and I don't think 93X is around and I don't know if like rock music sounds the same if it isn't with, you know, four years of Metallica kicking ass. So I love it. I love 80s Metallica. They, they rip their, that's my favorite era of, of metal music with like Motorhead and Metallica and then like the punk side, like the spooky punk side, like the Misfits and whatnot. So I love Master Puppet. It's one of the great albums of all time. Jordan, what I knew that was, I knew that was one that was for sure going to be on your list. Yeah, Master Puppets. I thought you were going to find a way to put three or four Metallica albums on there. Oh, Eric, you always like even so. Jordan, when we used to be, you know, obviously we record this in person. 
like before we would start, Eric is Eric's drumming like old Metallica, like on the table before we get going. I love it. Where would you go with your with your list? My top three: Weezer Blue Album definitely is up there. Uh, Green Day American Idiot is probably my number one from this list. Is Uh, so. It's yeah. so good. And think about what was happening in 2003 just musically. That's when Beyonce was really flexing solo-ly uh, or on, like, on the solo grind. 50 Cent mm-hmm. was taking over. Crunk music was a thing. Kanye was emerging. Uh, Outkast had Speaker Box and Love Blow. So it was, I remember all of my friends and I, we were just talking all hip-hop and pop, right? This was our world. And then Green Day came through and cut through the noise and really introduced us to rock music. So I, I think American Idiot would be my number one just off of what it opened up like my eyes to. And then, so that was on my short list for sure. I had to cross it out and it killed me, but I love it. Know every word to it. Yeah. Yeah. American Idiot was a game changer. I'm trying to think of, is this from, is this from this list or just my rock albums in general? All these. Yeah. But I mean, you can grab one because we're going to, we want to bring up a couple that we didn't get into. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through the entire list to make sure I'm a member talking to a former music director. So when I speak, I want to make sure that I'm speaking clearly with my entire diaphragm <laughs> evil empires up it's not my favorite rage album i'm more of a battle of la guy but evil empires was definitive in what it what it did for the band so i think that had to round up my three just because of what rage means to rock and rap fans mm-hmm. i think it really it sets the tone and it's such an influence that you hear nowadays as far as stuff we missed i think we missed the ramones um i think there's a spot for a ramones album on here I think you mentioned this one earlier, Jordan, which is no doubt there. Oh yeah, Tragic Kingdom. Yeah, Tragic Kingdom. Oh my God, they had what like five singles off that album, and it introduced the world to like ska punk, like whatever that was in you know the mid '90s, late '90s, and all of that stuff. And and then you had a female lead um Mm. in gwen stefani who now she's doing something completely different but at the time uh was kind of groundbreaking and Mm. awesome and fun and all of that so that was one of the ones i thought was like a little bit of an omission but understandable given what else was on the list yeah it's 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 tough when you take if you take things as a singularity like rock without like ska and alternative and it's hard to you have to make sure every like metal and new metal, you got to make sure it's all accounted for. Um, so that's probably where the omission comes from. But tragic kingdom was my mom's jam back when she was a single mom driving us to my sister's basketball game. So I could learn that I sucked at basketball. We were bumping like, like hella good and stuff. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> this is a mom. You have taste. All right. So Jordan, we're going to play a quick game with you to get to know okay. you better. It's called first things first. Okay. And an absolute rapid fire round where I'm going to throw things at you and you mm-hmm. have say the first thing that comes to mind to describe it or your opinion on it or whatever so you're okay. it's like one word three words one sentence unless you got something that you gotta get off your chest okay pretty quick okay here we go i'm ready right. first I'm thing, nervous but i'm ready all right the juicy lucy what was that the juicy lucy amazing hell's kitchen <laughs> the timberwolves sucky but i love them five finger death punch Okay. <laughs> Darth Maul. Secretly right. Low key correct. Wow. Miley Cyrus. 
you just made my brain short circuit. <laughs> um, underrated. Do you want me to expand on that or no? Sure, underrated. Go with it. She's making rock music now, and she's showing love to Pearl Jam and all these classics. Like, it's at, at a certain point we have to give Miley her flowers. And I feel like the public hasn't because, like, oh, she's Miley Cyrus, but she's fire. And I, I don't, I, re, I reject any notion where it's like, I don't like elitism and taste. Like, just if you like, just give it a shot. Open your mind. Miley the cover of Zombie was crazy cool. It's so good. It's so good. All right, Disney Plus. Uh, my favorite thing in the world, and makes me cry routinely when I rewatch the last four episodes of Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Game of Thrones. Jamie Lannister deserved better. <laughs> the Brotherhood. My new friends. Kendrick mm-hmm. Lamar. Goat. Justin, wow. Justin Jefferson. Future former Viking. <laughs> <laughs> Now you're, gonna make, now you're gonna make us cry. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the way it is. Let's accept this reality. He's out of here in three years, and it's fine. Well, who was what was that one, Eric? Cheapskate. Cheapskate, like the the roller rink. <laughs> yes. Painful. I I went there <laughs> in middle school, and I'd always like try and be like, "Hey, you want to hold hands with me?" But I'd fall down. And it was just like a physically and emotionally scarring experience. Don't I would ever have said away- sex trafficking. So I mean, I'm really glad that it's Wait. not playing right now. <laughs> Are they? A- no. Oh, that was like a hub. it was like a hub. Yeah, it was like bad. There was like sting operations in there and shit. Yes. Oh well, now my answer is now grotesque. <laughs> yeah, but not. I guess painful also is yeah. like worse. That's really it all fits. It all fits. The Star Wars prequel trilogy. Better than you remember. <laughs> all right, the, the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Fanboy tears. <laughs> the half-assed morning show. Brilliant. Metallica. I'll take it. Camp Snoopy. Underutilized in terms of merch. There should be way more Camp Snoopy merch like <laughs> around the metro. <laughs> it's just like it's not there. And it's like a missed opportunity for Camp Snoopy. That's that's that entre- entrepreneurial spirit that you've been missing See, until now. Yeah, you got it. I'm just I'm just a sucker for nineties vintage merch. And the fact that they whiffed on like Snoopy going down the log flume, I would have paid easily 60 bucks for that dead stock nowadays. <laughs> like, come on, yep. come on, Schultz family. What are you doing? James Bond. My dad loves James Bond and I used to fall asleep to it. I would like to see more. I would like, a, I would like a open world bond video game. I like that. Ooh. Taco Bell. A uh, weight gain. I went through a Taco Bell phase at night where I was I was always like getting a quesadilla and like the cinnamon balls, like the little jizz balls, <laughs> like on the way home. <laughs> and I would just I was just packing on weight, so I have to, I can't have Taco Bell anymore. So no new, thanks is now my new answer. No thanks, new but also yes. New metal, <laughs> like NU, like like yeah. Limp Corn, Kid Rock, etc. Bad rep, half earned, half unwarranted. First half. Uh, my favorite my favorite place in the whole wide world. Kevin Garnett. My king. <laughs> Potential gold mine. Potential gold mine. We don't even know what we have with D yet. And that's oh, exciting. Please. Oh, I hope that to be true. K pop. Wonderful. 
<laughs> World eye-opening. X-Men. Not for me. Get that shit away from me. I never watched wow. it, never cared for it. I like wow. that Monica's a mutant in, in WandaVision. I'm willing to go back, but I remember as a kid seeing like X2 at the Blockbuster and be like, Dad, no, we're renting Rush Hour 2 again. <laughs> like I was I, I had a I had a time. Rush Hour 2 is a gym, by the way. Yeah. So yeah. Kirk X-Men Cousins. has to do X-Men has to do a little bit more for me. What was that one? Kirk Cousins. Complicated. Not Deshaun Watson. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with future former Viking again. Yeah, I mean, I've looked at the stats. I, I, I've, I've, I've had every opinion you could possibly have on Kirk Cousins. I used to defend him because the stats were there. And I was like, no, this guy doesn't deliver. It's all garbage time. When you look at it, it's also like, no, he, he performs. But he's not a guy that moves the needle. Uh, and I'm, I'm fully on the Deshaun Watson train. I don't think you can win with a guy like Kurt, or Kirk. Sorry. And especially when you have an offense as conservative as ours and an O-line as bad as ours, you need a quarterback that can move. And we haven't had one since T-Jack. If T-Jack was serviceable and got us to the playoffs, imagine if we had a Dante back, you know? So I hate the the commitment to old old offensive philosophy. Mandalorian. Oh, my God. Um, everything I could have ever asked for. I know I'm not answering quickly, but I'm a pensive man, Eric. No, you have to. You have to get this right. This is on wax forever. So yeah. yeah. Throwback jerseys. <laughs> my 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 passion, my blood. It, it it's honestly part of my cardiovascular system. The way that I just <laughs> love throwback jerseys and, and the amount I have upstairs. I'm always like, should I sell them? But I can't. I just I, no. I go through them and I and I hold I hold this. Hornets Chris Paul alternate with the pinstripes and I, I hold this old shack and I go should I sell this this is money for my wife and my animals and I go absolutely not and then I put it on and I layer it with a camo jacket and I feel great the rest of the day <laughs> <laughs> all right Pokemon um partially responsible for what Mike Vick did <laughs> <laughs> they normalized it <laughs> I think so <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's great. What was that? Doom tree. Regrettably problematic given recent events. Um, mm-hmm. Sans POS uh, mentors. Okay. And finally, Minneapolis. I want to make sure I'm not a homer with this answer. I was going to say underrated, <laughs> but I think we're properly rated. Yeah. Um, Minneapolis. I just think of I think of fun. I think of culture. I think of the intersection of business, sports, and art and food. I think of uh, meals that are way too expensive and tickets that are way too expensive and parking that, par- uh, parking that's way too expensive. But memories that are always worth it. But you're glad you paid it in the end. Absolutely. And also parking compared to what I see with my family in Dallas. Like they all move down there. I'm like, oh, you you drive 45 minutes to go to a downtown restaurant and you pay 70 bucks? No, we have it good. We have it great here. We get the, we get a, we get all the amenities of a major market town, but I can drive home in 12 minutes and it's good. The Ubers are never more than like 30, 35 bucks. It's great. We have it made here. And I think the fact that we have it made. Plus the bad winters make us think that like, oh, we're flyover country. No, people respect Minneapolis nationwide. They all love us. So I think we should stop being sorry for ourselves and just own our dopeness and uh, stop being babies about it. I think we're kind of soft at times. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Well so we know you're a huge Star Wars fan. So before yes. we get here, we definitely want to talk about the state of Star Wars with you. So you said the Mandalorian was everything you wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I more. You did these really cool little videos on Mandalorian on your Instagram where you like broke down the episodes. Yes. And, and uh, I feel like you were super excited for the Ahsoka episode because of the big um, reveal at the end of the episode, right? So you had the, the Beskar spear versus the lightsaber battle. And then at the end of the battle, you had an Admiral Thrawn, um, you know. Revelation. Look at those goosebumps. Just, you just say Thrawn and my hair just goes up. So would you say that the thing you're most looking forward to uh, right now is this Ahsoka, Ezra, Thrawn, Edge of the Empire story that they're probably going to be telling? Yeah, that's the obvious one. I mean, when you get someone who like Ahsoka, who is Luke Skywalker level, completing the Rebels story of Thrawn, who is a Legends canon staple um thrawn is the best example of fan service you could ever ask for and to to bring him back in the fold in live action um and really i think the ahsoka series and what what's happening in star wars television has the ability to do what rebels and clone wars did for the prequels and make it all make sense and make it emotionally resonating um so ahsoka is definitely my number one as far as things that are like off the radar from the from their or things are a little bit more sexy like a sexier pick for Things they announced at uh, Investor Day for Disney. The Acolyte is going to be crazy with Leslie Headland and uh, you know, show running a show about the Sith 50 years before the events of The Phantom Menace. And then Star Wars Visions is the anime show they're working on. And I think there's some cool potential to bring in. I think they might use that show as a vehicle to go back into Legends canon and bring in some singular stories into the canon or do something totally new. But if you're getting the best anime studios in Japan to do anime for star Wars, I just don't know how that's not a massive W, mm-hmm. but yeah, Ahsoka is de- it's, the, it's the number one. It should be the number one for everyone by a mile. Um, and then you have the Obi-Wan show coming out. Um, Actually, that should be everyone's number one. I'm sorry. I'm like, as soon as I'm like, wait, the Obi-Wan show is coming. My bad. Some kind of Darth Vader, which um, my biggest, my, you know, my hottest take when it comes to star Wars is that Darth Vader is like the most overrated character ever. Not because he isn't amazing and really cool, but because mm-hmm. we never get to see him be amazing and cool on screen. Like, Until Rogue One. Come on now. Yeah, but Rogue One, he was fighting a bunch of, like, you know, air conditioner fixing guys on the ship that didn't have weapons. Or, like, <laughs> you know, or just, like, no, he, he wasn't fighting Jedi. He was, like, tossing around, like, guys who were, like, carrying things around the ship. And yeah. so, to me, we've never seen him, like, lay waste to, like, the best people in the galaxy. Like... I think that he's been overrated because we just have never had an opportunity to see his, his full power. And they they missed out on an opportunity for him to come kill everyone on uh, Scarif, I believe the place was called in Rogue One. Yep. Um, and so I'm hoping that in Obi-Wan we get some kind of Vader um, appearance where he's really badass. I think your critique of Vader is very fair and well thought out and honestly an astute observation. And I recognize that. It's tough when, when you're Star Wars, when you're that intellectual, when you're that IP and you have some of the most recognizable characters in, pop, in the pop culture lexicon, it's hard to know when to deploy them because when you deploy them, it's going to be such a massive deal. Like, think about the reaction to Luke at the end of The Mandalorian. It, like, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't expecting that. I, I had this idea that like, it wasn't going to be Luke. It was going to be Ezra or like Kyle Katarn from the video games. I was thinking, but once it was Luke, I'm, like, I, I'm all in. And it, 
it it compels you and it brings back that magic of Star Wars. And you don't want to overuse that. It's like a it's it's the law of diminishing marginal utility. It's like the first time you drink soda, it's great, and the second time, you're like, oh, it's still good and whatever. It, it, it fizzles out. So you don't want to overuse that. Um, that said, we are going to get Vader unmasked. We'll see burnt unmasked Hayden in the in the back of the tank, like meditating or whatever. And we're gonna we're gonna see duels. We'll probably see some Inquisitors, and I think you're gonna get your wish. Um, if you want to look for more badass Vaders, uh, the Vader comics are just crazy the stuff he does and you want to see badass vader in graphic novel form there is a breath of knowledge for you and storytelling in the form of comics that are just it's an easy 15 minute read and it's mind-blowing so the next movie series has got to be coming around the corner obviously they've got some kind of like super bulk you know secure star wars information out there of where they're headed where would you like to see their next movie trilogy um go well, I so Ryan Johnson is rumored that's still going to happen, and I hope it does because I'm, I'm a huge Last Jedi guy. Let the past die, tattooed on my arm, Kylo Ren, not a war criminal. Yes, talking <laughs> about that. But I would like to see a Ryan Johnson take on the story of Revan from Knights of the Old Republic. I'd like them to go back in time and either bring Revan into canon. Well, he is in canon, but bring his char- like his actual essence into canon or just go way back in time and set up a future villain like the Yuzon Vong or something. Um, I think there's room to explore on the, the backside of the timeline. Is Revan the Force Unleashed guy? No, that's Starkiller. Revan is the... Well, how many spoilers do you guys want? Because this is one of the best games of all time and it's a phenomenal narrative experience. What's the name? Which game? Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, I've heard these amazing things, but I mean, the game is really okay. pretty dated. At this. I don't think we're going to jump back in. Fair enough. So you play an, amniaz- an amnesiac character who's trying to find his way in the world, and you learn about this guy, Revan, who was um, a dark side or a light side guy who turned dark. And then at the turn of the game, from your old dark side apprentice, you learn that you have been Revan the entire time. And oh. that the Jedi, like, so... You were a light guy who went dark, lost his memory, and then the Jedi wiped his memory and like wouldn't tell him anything. So he's just really he's a both sides guy, and that is where Star Wars is most compelling. That's mm-hmm. why Kylo Ren and Rey's relationship was probably the only redeeming thing about the sequel trilogy because yep. it was interesting and it was new. Um, so I, I think there's much more there's there's and that's why Luke was so compelling because he's like fuck it fuck the Jedi so I I like the idea of darkness and light coexisting and it's I, I don't like Jedi good Sith bad it's not interesting I want I want the humanization of the dark side I think Revan in a trilogy form provides the best opportunity to explore that and I, I think I think one thing that if they open up an entirely new world will do so much good for the start like they introduce new characters in obviously the most recent trilogy but at the same time they just they tried to play the, all the old hits yeah and it's frustrating and that that was sad like it, in a way of like you know especially the force awakens like you you redid the death star in a way um you know you brought back palpatine for sorry spoilers for anybody listening but like you brought back palpatine for the finale and none of it really made sense. So if you go off into a new era or a new like genre of the galaxy, right. Or a different time or a whole new group of characters, I think it's going to like rebuild the movie franchise. Like the, the, the TV stuff is going to be on its own and then you can rebuild the, the movie franchise 
from the ground up and then maybe expand on that and get new TV shows out of new characters. And I think that that's what they have to do. Like they, they, we can't keep recycling all these old characters again for a fourth trilogy. Oh yeah. I don't think they will make that mistake ever again. Did you read the duel of the, the duel of the fates leaked script, the Trevorrow script? Oh no. my gosh. It was, it was the cool? most, it was the most metal thing ever. And it was dark and it was gritty and like Hux finds uh, Mace Windu's lightsaber and does like the like the like kills himself because he's losing the battle. Like some he does like dark Japanese shit. seppuku. Like he does shit. that. Yeah, Ray gets blinded by Kylo. She's not a Palpatine, which is great. Um, yep. Luke Skywalker. Wait, 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 wait. This is this is Colin Trevorrow's script. Yes, it's so good, and, and I think it was, fired, too, yeah. it was too scary for Disney. Um, oh. Kylo is like demented. He kills Palpatine's uh, a master who's on Mustafar. He goes through Vader's castle. Luke, as a force ghost, is haunting Kylo the entire time, just talking shit to him and driving him to insanity. And it's great. And we missed it. And it would have made everything. It was so good. The fact I liked, I, I was cool with the Force Awakens playing the hits because we had to reacclimate. That's fine. I love The Last mm-hmm. Jedi for being so different. And I saw myself and Luke like, oh, you were betrayed by your belief system. Welcome to the millennial experience. Um, <laughs> and then I think if they would have tripled down on that and been some like done something super dark with Duel of the Fates and treated it more as an epilogue as opposed to a continuation of the Skywalker saga. It could have been a beautiful, wonderful thing, but that I mean, makes me, that makes me even more upset. Yeah, they had it. They had, honestly, they had what season eight of Thrones could have been in that movie. And they just threw it away. Cause they were yeah. mad at like, cause all the fanboys, all the responses for the last Jedi, were like, Oh, you ruined it. You took the fun out of star Wars. And then they, they gave us like this lukewarm bullshit. And I think there's some redeemable things to the rise of Skywalker, but it's not, it's bad. It's it's almost Attack of the Clones bad, but if you would have just been like, hey, we're gonna let the if we're gonna let people let let creators be creative, which is what they're doing with the TV shows now. But had you done that with Colin and the Duel of the Fates, you would have had you'd be like, wow, Star Wars is this whole new thing for everyone, which is great storytelling. Great storytelling always wins. You're gonna piss people off all the time, so be fearless in that. Well, and then and then the the audience is all like. 30 to 50 to 60 yeah. it's like, for kids i mean it's for kids though let's keep it a bug no, but is it i don't know yeah i, I don't think well, so i tell you what my kids love the sequels they love it you know they're five and seven years old and they love it like i get it i get why they made some of the decisions they made when i watch it with children but yeah you know and i and i and i kind of, i think about what it means to have a female lead jedi like how cool is that? And just to see like all like these girls dressed up at Comic Con as Ray, like that's so dope to see yourself on screen and you finally get that. So, um, and I, and I and that's not a reason to like the movie. I just think it's a really admirable thing. Yeah. And I I I rock with Ray and I rock with Kylo and I'm just I'm really bummed that that narrative gets kind of overtakes the the discussion it's a really to- it's a toxic overtaking of the discussion around the sequel trilogy where it's like it's just bad storytelling it's not because they were trying to be woke warriors it's because they just they they bombed they the landing so they kind of watched it yeah yeah all right guys last thing real quickly um we're not going to go too crazy on wandavision but the series finishes up and it was super controversial because the, there were people like me who were really hoping that this was going to be like mandalorian like they were going to give us some cool new stuff they were going to you know, it's start phase four with the X-Men or even mentioning mutants or opening the multiverse or literally just a cameo or pretty much anything big <laughs> instead of kind of the um, really simple 
finish that we got in WandaVision. And so I guess my whole thing is, is that I want um, people to realize that I think that you can have something that was amazing, like WandaVision, uh, which I thought was some of the best, most interesting storytelling we've seen on television in some time. It changed how Marvel and, um, you know, these mainstream universes can tell stories on television. And at the same time, you could be disappointed that they didn't give us um, something a little bigger uh, in the end of it. What did you guys think of the finale of WandaVision? In our private chats via text message, I have been advocating for weeks now that you're not going to get the big reveal. Marvel has been nothing if not consistent with their ability to slow play world building and integration. And I was not at all surprised and thus not disappointed when WandaVision ended with what you would call, you know, like maybe a lukewarm ending, right? Not, not, not the Magneto, not the internet hype of a misquoted Elizabeth Olsen article uh, of which the, and then the Benedict Cumber, or sorry, wow, Paul Bettany uh, trolling everyone, saying he he got to work with an actor he's never been able to work with his entire life, and he was so excited, and it turns out it was himself. Um, <laughs> Genius. So yeah, <laughs> I I kind of respect I kind of respect that level of trolling because um, it's it's pretty harmless, except for like Eric's psyche as he's watching the season finale of Wandavision. Um, but I feel like they. I was not disappointed because it was what I expected and I loved the way they wrapped it up. You know, some people will complain about, you know, it being, you know, it it went from like a a story of dialogue and and world building to like lasers and Marvel stuff and big fight scenes and guys getting smashed into cement roads and all that stuff. um, And a little tropey in that regard. But I thought like just basically what Eric said, it's changing the landscape of TV. And we don't even know it. It's it's doing what Iron Man did for the Marvel movies to what Marvel TV is going to be in the future. And I could not be more excited with what's coming. Yeah, I mean, dude, I echo Ryan's take on it. I did not buy into the Twitter hype. I don't even really look at Twitter, thank God, because I was just it was it was more straightforward than I thought it was going to be, which I was a little disappointed in. A um, little disappointed that, you know, they they put in the biggest thing for me, I guess, was. You know, they they hired the actor that played um, Quicksilver only to just be like a regular dude named, like a boner joke. It was literally a dick joke. The whole thing was set up to be a dick joke, which is crazy, uh, but also pretty brilliant. And yes, it didn't blow the doors wide open for, you know, introducing the X-Men or Fantastic Four or any of these things. But I think Ryan nailed it. They just, they don't need to do that. They They have a whole three or four years of excitement to build on upon with the opening of the multiverse. And that's what they teased at the end. Yeah, I agree. As, as, as someone who I'm not versed in the X-Men stuff and honestly, WandaVision got me more open to checking out the X-Men. Cause I, I, as you heard earlier, I was like, no, I don't want it, but I'm, I'm more open to, I haven't seen Logan. I know I'm tripping, mm. but now I'm not, I'm not open to that world. And I'm also bummed that, after, you know, being acclimated to the Mandalorian and getting these big reveals, I was disappointed at the first part of the episode. And I was like, oh, this is just battles. Like, it's purple and red. Sick. But once the emotional beats kicked in, I was really satisfied. Like, oh, this is this is Wanda's story. And once I kind of, my brain made that switch, like, okay, this is about Wanda and her her grief. And I, the, the last 15, 20 minutes, 
my wife was crying. She doesn't cry like that. Um, I was trying to hold it together and be like, oh my God. <laughs> like it was really cool to see uh, that the emotional side of Marvel kick in. So am I disappointed that we didn't get Magneto and Mephisto and all these characters that I learned about like seven weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I was primed. I think we've been primed for that. But do we get a satisfactory story with cool implications for a character we're going to be super familiar with moving forward? Well, we already are, but even moving forward even more? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm, I'm I'm happy with the ending and the whole like her twitching, doing the Doctor Strange thing. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a cool parallel or a cool intersection here. So mm-hmm. I'll take it. It's, it's, it's a perspective thing, and you got to manage your expectations. So I'm with it. Yes. I think it's a feat once you realize what it was. And Elizabeth Olsen is uh, catapulted into absolute megastar at this point, in my opinion, because her performance was incredible, and I want more Elizabeth Olsen. Imagine being the Olsen mom and dad. Like, your, your twins are just, like, beauty magnates, and now another, another daughter is just crushing it in the MCU? Good for yeah. you guys. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, that's it. That's all the time we have. We went long because we were having so much fun with Jordan. So thank you guys so much. Jordan, again, um, where can they find you on social media? At Rogue Jally on Twitter. That's where you want to follow me because that's where I'm funniest. If you just want to see pictures of my cat, at Tornado Jally. J-A-L-L-Y. <laughs> Go check out uh, the Link Up Listening Party um, new podcast. Seven episodes up so far. More to come. So go check that out. And uh, also, uh, seven to midnight. Uh, weekdays on 93x go check that out as well so thank you so much jordan for coming on let's make this a regular thing and also as soon as we're able to let's all go to a timberwolves game together oh absolutely i will happily come back and i'll happily go to a timberwolves game wearing my al jefferson jersey <laughs> it'll be great <laughs> that, that you refuse to sell because I sell it. I yeah. the timberwolves the joints are untouchable unbelievable <laughs> I'm a dick, I know. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the Nordy's podcast. We'll be back with you guys later this week with our sportcast. Until then, take care. Peace.